0: Well, welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett. I'm joined by our Vice President of Ministry Services, Betty McDowell, and today's guest is Keith Farron. So, our sponsor for this episode is Heartbeat International's upcoming annual conference. It's happening in person in Jacksonville, Florida, um, and also online March 30th through April 1st. So this is actually two separate conferences, two sets of workshops, two different experiences. Um, And today's guest for our episode, Keith Farron, will be there along with so many other presenters, and we're covering topics like leadership and marketing, uh, legal topics, fundraising, client care, housing, and soul care. So Um, Along the lines of soul care or spiritual refreshment, um, Keith's topic is called, his workshop is called Keeping Yourself and Your Staff Spiritually Healthy. So as a kickoff to that workshop, uh, we're highlighting uh, his story, how he got into ministry work, and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the importance of reading and studying scripture um, as staff, volunteers, even board members of your pregnancy help organization. So with that, I will turn things over to Betty McDowell.
1: Hey thanks so much Christine and Keith welcome to the pregnancy Help podcast. How are you doing today in your area of the country?
2: I'm do- I'm doing well. I'm up in Seattle wishing it was a little warmer and <laughs> but we, uh, we we were teased yesterday with a stunningly gorgeous sunny day and now it's back to cloudy and drizzly. So
1: <laughs> you know the the rumor is that Seattle you know, is that place where you get all this rain, yeah. right? I mean, we hear about that all the time. And uh, truth be told, whenever I've been in Seattle, I mean, it has been stunningly beautiful. And I've asked some of my friends, like, what's the deal here with you guys talking about all this rain when it's so beautiful? And they said to us, oh, that's just what we tell the tourists so that you don't uh, spend too much time here. So, uh, so, so uh, I, that,
2: that, there, there is a little bit of truth to that. So yeah. This, uh, well, we get more days of gray, but it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. We're, we're not even in the top 10 from an amount of rain standpoint. Mm-hmm. We just get a lot of these. You'll, you'll go a week or two without seeing the sun, and it just, just grates on you over the months of winter, for sure. So.
1: Well, that happens here in Columbus, Ohio, as well. So we have a lot of gray days here, but, but we have connection to uh, the real sunshine, don't we?
2: Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> so. Yes, we do.
1: So uh, so Keith, I like when I've heard of you, I've, when I've heard you speak or listened to your stuff, looked at, looked at your stuff, and um, really look at some of the stuff you've published, when I think of you, um, I tend to think of you, um, basically how you've talked about your, your passion mm-hmm. for the Word, and that's very evident to me in your life. So, I thought maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about your background and your story, and maybe how that kind of came, how that connection is to your real passion and love of the Word and how that happened.
2: Yeah, my my journey is one that is is kind of boring in the sense, boring in the good way, which is I don't have a, some major conversion story. It was one of those things I don't ever remember. Like I can't even point to the date that I became a Christian because I don't ever remember somebody would have asked me if I was a Christian. I'd say no. I mean, I just we I was one of those kids born on Saturday, church on Sunday, and. Grew up a good chunk of the time in the Midwest. So that was also Sunday night and Wednesday night for three different sermons, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so that was so that was kind of my my childhood. My my dad was in administration at different Christian colleges. So he was a dean of students in the Midwest, and then a vice president at Whitworth in Spokane, Washington, and then a president of a school down in Tennessee. And and we just grew up around church and Christian colleges and, and all that. And 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 I would say the the passion for for the Bible, um, I always believed it, but the passion—I can really actually point to a night, uh, an actual date, when the shift started to be made for me from from should to want. Because I, I wasn't even one of those kids you had to drag to church. I actually really liked church. I liked every and at every stage, I liked Sunday school, and then I liked youth group and summer camp, and I liked mission trips. And you know, after college, I didn't feel like growing up, so I became a youth pastor. And, uh and it was and it was something where I, I was always involved in music and leading worship and and I I loved the the people aspect I love the community aspect I loved music I loved hearing good preaching and all that but probably about the age of 12, 13, 14 somebody told me I was supposed to start having this thing called a quiet time right and uh, I was supposed to start reading the Bible on my own and that's when, when the bible became a little bit more of a should than a want it's like i i knew that i should read it more and and i found as i got older that that that's the case for most of the people who fill up our churches that that the bible is the one aspect of our life with jesus that is marked more by the word should than want we we want to be in community. We want to hear good preaching. We want to sing. We want to serve our community, and we should read the Bible more consistently. <laughs> you know, and that's such that's that, that was such a journey for so many, and for me as well. And then I remember during the time that I was a full time youth pastor, so I I desperately loved Jesus at that point, uh, but but was kind of living in the land of should if you want. And uh, and I remember I was I was having lunch with a buddy of mine. Uh, The night that I'm speaking of was April 18th. And so a few days prior to that, I was having lunch with a buddy of mine who was a a youth pastor at another church in town. And he said, Keith, I don't know what to make of this. this. There's this guy coming to our church Sunday night who has memorized the entire gospel of Luke. And he gets up on stage with no sets or props or costumes or other actors and actresses, and he just quotes it. And while he quotes it, he kind of acts it out. And I remember the, the first thought that went through my head was, dude, that is a lot. right?" <laughs> and the, the second, which I actually said out loud, was, are people really going to listen to that for almost two hours? I mean, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful or sacrilegious or anything, but, but when I thought about memorized, quoted scripture, my mind Quickly went back to my elementary school days growing up in central Kansas, where once a year they'd stand the second grade Sunday school class up in front of big church. And one at a time, really frightened eight-year-olds would quote John 316 as fast as they possibly could and, and then wave to their mom. And, and so so for, for me, the, there was this total disconnect between memorized, quoted scripture and good drama. Uh, I didn't, it didn't didn't even connect the two at all. I figured if somebody could make it somewhat interesting, it would be this guy. His name is Bruce Kuhn, and he had been in the Broadway cast of Les Mis. So I thought, okay, so he at least knows what he's doing on stage. And and I went honestly. I thought I would kind of sneak out at intermission because I thought after about an hour of listening to somebody quote the Bible, I thought I'd be done. And and the the, the best way that I can describe what happened for me on April 18th of 93 is the living word of God went from being a phrase to a reality. And and I find as I travel around the world, for most people, the living word of God is a phrase they desperately wish was a reality. And so so I ended up not only staying through the whole thing, I went up to Bruce afterwards. They mentioned he was going to be in Seattle for the whole week. And so I asked him if I could take him to lunch the next day. And he said, yes. And we ended up spending from noon until 9 p.m. together. And he just, and, wow. and, and I was just talking to him about, so, so what's it like to have that much scripture in you and how do you do it? And it was, uh, I wasn't even asking him the theater questions. I wasn't a theater guy. I'd never been in a school play. I'd never done it. So I didn't even, I, I knew that I was with somebody who had kind of hit the pinnacle, but didn't even know what questions to ask. So I was asking him just about Bible and personal growth and all that. And he just challenged me to uh, he just said, well, what if instead of memorizing this verse and this verse and studying this little piece and this little piece, he said, what if you just took a book of the Bible and you just soaked in it until you knew it? You just hung out there until you know it. And when you know it, you move on. And I just remember thinking, okay, wait a minute. My whole life, I've heard about studying the Bible and memorizing verses. I've never heard anybody talk about soaking in it or hanging out with it or whatever. So, So that summer of 93, I just I just said, okay, I'm going to read Philippians. I mean, Philippians is about 15, 16, 17 minutes, something like that. I said, I'm just going to read Philippians every day for the summer. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, not, not my traditional way of chapter a day, which is how I was raised. You're supposed to read a chapter a day and think about what it means and how it applies. And I just, I'm going to read the whole book every day and see what happens. And several things happened. One, I started enjoying it more than I ever had. I started understanding it better than I ever had. And I got to the end of the summer and I knew the whole thing by heart without ever trying to memorize it. Because I just so I mean, think about the quantity of songs you can sing along to that you've never tried to memorize or movie lines you can quote without ever trying to memorize. And, but you didn't do a little, you didn't do one line of the song until you got it down. And then another line of the song, you just heard the song over and over again. And you were by the end of the first time, you were singing along with the chorus, and by the end of the tenth time, you were just singing along. And you were soaking
1: in it, really. Yeah, right? and, that, okay. and that was
2: my—that was what happened. I and um, and so the the journey from that into into the ministry that I now have is that is that I ended up getting to the end of that that year, and I wanted to know the life of Jesus the way that I now knew Philippians because I say. I, I didn't memorize Philippians. I had internalized it. It was now a part of me. I, I was that summer of 93. I actually stopped using the word memorization. I don't talk about memorization anymore. I talk about internalizing because I think the goal should be to know the word, not just to know the words. And, and so I wanted to know the life of Jesus like that. So for all of 94, I just said, I'm going to internalize the Gospel of John. And I just read the Gospel of John over and over again. Most days, somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. I mean, I think there were were one or two days where I sat down for two hours and read the whole book. But most of the days, it was, you know, somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes. And when I got to the end, I would just flip back. And so over the course of that year, I read the Gospel of John probably 40 or 50 times and got to the end of the year and I knew John. And so Um, so I ended up seeing Bruce about a year after I had seen him, he came back to Seattle to do some performances and we got together and, and he, he encouraged me to, to do with the gospel of John, what he did with the gospel of Luke. And so starting March 3rd of 96, uh, was when, uh, so we're talking, what's that almost 26 years ago that I started. Uh, presenting the gospel of John but for me because storytelling and theater and all that that wasn't my background that just became it became the the tool the mode if you will that I used to get into conversations with people about how we can not just read and study and believe and apply the bible all of which are massively important but how we don't stop there and we actually move on to enjoying the bible because i think until we learn to read god's word in a way that we enjoy it we will forever live in the land of should, right? Because we can believe it and we can know it's good for us and we can even apply it and force ourselves to read it for a while, but, and still kind of feel like, yeah, I should do this more. I should, you know, and until we enjoy it. And I, I tell people, it's kind of like exercise until you find a form of exercise that you enjoy you're never going to be consistent because if you hate running, you can only force yourself to go running, you know, for the first two weeks of January.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, yeah. yeah. That's why our gym is the busiest. It's right. Always, oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. People, people who love to work out, don't go to the gym in January.
1: Mm-hmm. Because in
2: January, they the wait. gym is filled with people who hate That's exercise. Right.
1: That's right. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about um, enjoying and enjoying the word soaking in the word. And it makes me think of, and I think about enjoying, I enjoy a good book, I enjoy a good movie, and why do I enjoy them? And when I, um, when I think about that, I start to think about, well, I like drama, I like suspense, I like comedy, and really the word is filled with all of those things. I just oh, wonder yeah. if you wanted to talk a little bit about, about that, if there's, especially if there's anything that stands out to you, like when I think about comedy in scripture... Uh, what stands out to you?
2: Oh, well, I mean, a, a lot. I think one of the one of my favorite things about doing about presenting the Gospel of John is watching how frequently people laugh out loud while I'm quoting the Gospel of John, because it only takes a couple you know a couple chapters. I think you know one is, is I think the very first miracle that Jesus does, his mom. You know, it's like I just kind of see Jesus in this one particular scene as a a guy just like every other guy ever. It's like you can stand up and you can be tough and you can have your plan and everything. And then your mom can give you the look, you know, and it's like, okay, mom, I'll do it. Right. And it's kind of like she says they've run out of wine. And he says to her, my time has not yet come. And what does she do? She says to this, the very next sentence is she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And then I think the, you know, the in between the lines is Mary giving Jesus the look, because then Jesus goes, okay, fill the jars. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) he goes from my time has not yet come to the next words out of his mouth are (laughs) fill the jars with water. Well. The only thing that gets a guy to do that is the mom giving him the look, you know, so I think that, you know, that that's a piece of it. I also think that you just see you you just see throughout specifically the Gospel of John, but throughout Scripture. I mean, you, in, in in John, you see Jesus interacting with with these disciples in so many different ways. And I just kind of see see Philip as this teenage guy that's just happy to be on a road trip. I mean, it's kind of like some of the things that he does, and and, he's, and Jesus is having this moment in the Last Supper where he's telling telling these guys that, you know, they'll, they'll see the father and blah, blah. blah. And he's, and he's, and Philip's like, oh show us the father. That'll be enough for us. And it's like, and you can just see Jesus kind of bury his hand in his, his face. I mean, his face in his hand and just go. And the next thing, Oh, Philip, don't you know me? I mean, are you, are you serious? So I've I once heard somebody refer to the gospel of John as the Jesus slaps his head gospel, because it's just like, you can see every other scene. Jesus is like, Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, Are you kidding me? And it's just like so. It's just there's there certainly is a lot.
1: Ah, I appreciate that. That's that's pretty good stuff.
2: let let me let me throw in one more funny thing. That just this morning I'm doing a read through where I'm actually reading through the whole Bible right now uh, with a buddy of mine in in six months, and we're in in Judges right now, which is about the least funny book in the entire Bible. I mean, the book of Judges is. Horrible, in so many ways. When there's one line where you know the famous story of Samson. Well, at one point, you know people know that Sam Samson was coming, and a lion came came out, and he tore it apart with his hands. But the line where it actually is describing that, it says he tore it apart with his bare hands as if it were a young goat. <laughs> and I and I found myself going. I mean, I've never torn apart a goat with mm, my bare hands, I. but nor I can't I. think that's easy either.
1: <laughs> well, we know it's easier than a lion. I mean, I'm thinking it's easier than a lion, but it's like,
2: yeah, he lifted up those thousand semi trucks as if it were only four semi trucks. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> That's not exactly easy. Yes, it's easier. But so, anyhow, that was just that was truly just this morning in my reading that I was just like, oh my goodness, that is ridiculous.
1: Wow. So, I'm going to be looking forward to having you perform Judges the Musical or something like that. That would be (laughs) well, you're uh,
2: the Heartbeat Conference is going to need to have a uh, an R rating if we're going to be (laughs) that's
1: that's true. That's a horror.
2: That's got a whole
1: lot of that is not that is not that is not not G. Rated. I just want to see the goat scene. That's all. It's okay, the okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, so kind of speaking of that, you're talking about the heartbeat conference, because you're going to be at the heartbeat conference. Help me understand how you and I, I understand youth pastor, yeah. uh, passion for the word. You've got wife and kids and. Life and suddenly you're connected to uh, pregnancy centers. I know with along with other things, mm-hmm. but how in the world did you get connected to the world of um, the pregnancy help community?
2: Yeah, well, it, it started with a, a friend of mine named Gary Thomas, who's an author, and he was very connected. To uh, we health.
1: love Gary Thomas, yeah, yeah.
2: love him. So, Gary, Gary and I, we both spoke at the same pastor spouse retreat many moons ago. i mean, more than 20 years ago where he was speaking. I was leading worship and doing some scripture presenting. And because it was pastor spouse retreat, I brought Carrie, he brought Lisa, and we just became friends since then. And that was, that was when my first book was kind of in my brain, but not out on paper yet. And he really mentored me through that first process and during, when he saw me present Philippians, uh, which is the one of the passages I was presenting at that particular conference, this and the, this letter that is all about the joy of partnership and ministry, he just said, you know, I, I I do some work with some some pregnancy centers, and I I'd love to connect you with them. I just think that with your focus on scripture and specifically Philippians being about partnership. And I, I would just love to see you do more with with them and, and help them both with kind of spiritual growth from a in the center standpoint, but then also partnering with them to, to raise money at banquets. Right. And so that was, I mean, I, I think, I mean, we were probably throughout the process of writing the book, we started having those conversations. So I, I bet from that first conversation until I was connected with some centers was probably three to four years or something like that of just kind of developing that. So I bet it's been, you know, 15 to 17 years that that I've been partnering with centers and, and helping helping them raise money. I just, I love using, because it's also a unique kind of banquet, right? Because 15 minutes of my 45 or whatever, is me presenting Philippians and people. I just find that if if people that are in the audience, not only are told about the center, but they're, they start enjoying scripture more. The more we become, become in love with God and his word, the more generous we become, not just with our money, but with our time and our energy and our volunteering and, and the staff being more excited about the word and stuff. So I just, I just love the whole, whole process of doing that because my ministry is, is Bible. So it's, I'm certainly pro-life and I believe the Bible is quite pro-life, but uh, but my ministry isn't at its core a pro-life ministry. So if I can use the gift that God has given me to help ministries that I absolutely believe in, raise money and be more spiritually healthy themselves, then man, I am, I am all in. I'm, I, I absolutely love it. It's been one of the joys of my last 15 years of ministry for sure.
1: Wow. Well, and and it makes sense. You know, if God is, his word is so Mm life-giving and we know it's um, Mm pro-life and you're soaking in it, you're soaking in his word. You can't help but spill that out. Right. And so I can see how that would have an effect, a very positive effect on not only the life-giving message, but all the, all the fruit that goes with that, Mm -hmm. um, with a crowd who's engaged with you. So Thank you for doing that for centers. Oh,
2: My, my pleasure. My, my pleasure. It's an honor. Absolutely.
1: So at the heartbeat conference, you're going to be doing a workshop. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe you could, you could tease that out a little bit for us about your workshop. And in that Keith, um, like just listening to you, some of the things that I think in my own personal life, and I think about those who serve in pregnancy help. Mm-hmm. Those who have a heart for pregnancy help, a lot of them are very busy people. They might be, they might be donors who are pretty busy business people, and their lives are complicated. We certainly know the the pregnancy center, the key staff of pregnancy centers in particular. They they have um, sometimes pretty stressful and challenging times. And I know your workshop is looking at health, but I wonder if in your response about what will people maybe can expect in the workshop. If you wouldn't mind also talking a little bit about um, kind of the spiritual rhythms. So you've talked about the soaking Mm -hmm. in the word, but, but what might be some advice that you would give for people about kind of the whole idea of, of spiritual rhythms and how, how that works, maybe how we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves um, at times. I'd love to hear about that from you.
2: Yeah, gladly. So specific you know well, let's let's break that into a couple of things so one kind of where we're headed with uh with the workshop and then and then two some of the the rhythms and the approach and how do we people that are going to listen to this and either not be in the workshop or going to listen to this and have some time before we're in the workshop together that uh the, that those people are served well as also let's let's jump jump in a little bit but for the workshop uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at uh, really a few different elements. One is really my my approach to how we read the Bible in a way that we understand it, remember it, and enjoy it. That I think that it, when we combine all of those, that we can when we understand it. If you don't understand it, you can't apply it. If you can't remember it, you can't apply it. And if you don't enjoy it, you're never gonna build consistency. I mean it's like if if we don't have those three elements then we're not really positioning ourselves for the Holy Spirit to tap into his word and transform use it hidden in our hearts and minds to transform us to be more like Jesus which I think kind of is the point of discipleship. <laughs> and so and and so we're we're going to look at some of what I've learned over the last 30 years of of how to both our mindset and approach, as well as practically what we do when we read the Bible so that we enjoy it more. And so I think that, so that's going to be a piece of it, but then also some of the ways in which um, centers and staff, boards, sets of volunteers, how we can build conversations and and rhythms ourselves around the word so that so that at not only individuals but staffs and boards and volunteer that that were were all integrating a individual life-giving relationships with God through his word into life-giving relationships as communities in in his word and so we'll be we'll be looking at some of that uh, that as well and, uh, and and as far, as far as the rhythms, I think that you know, not, to, not to give away the first point of my workshop, but I'm going to give away the first point of my workshop, which is we need, which is we need to, that I, I believe that the most important shift that most of us need to make is we need to shift from studying the Bible informationally to studying it relationally and that the more and, and that takes time it, both a decision and intentionality as well as time it's like anything you can you can decide that you're going to get in shape and your first workout is most likely going to make you more sore than helpful right i mean there there's time even when you've made the decision you've got the intentionality there's still time that it takes and i think that 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 deciding and then becoming intentional and building into the rhythm of when when i approach the bible when I read the Bible, whether we're reading it on our own, whether we're reading it collectively as a center, whether we're, you know, presenting it at a conference, whatever, when we're reading the Bible, it is primarily relational time, not informational time, right? I I think, like, and the the example that I'll, if you're sitting in my workshop, you'll hear this example again, but uh, the example that I frequently will use is if, if let's say you and i betty let's say that i moved to columbus and you know we got together once a week at a coffee shop just because we became friends and we enjoy being together over the course of the weeks to come i'm guessing that we would learn some information about each other what brought us to Columbus? Have you always lived there? What brought me there? How long have you been there? Have you always lived in that house? How you know? Tell me about your family and your kids and what's their name? Do you have any pets? Do you have, what music do you like? What sports do you watch? Do you you know all that? We would we would learn information about each other. But if I came week one and I had a notepad and said, okay, here, here on this notepad, twenty seven questions I need to ask Betty for her to be my friend you know, and I started asking you, so when did you come to Columbus? How long have you been here? So tell me about your family. What are the names of your kids? What's the name of your dog? Which your, you know, And I just started, you Now, you might politely answer some questions, but you're certainly not going to come back week two. And too often, I think that's our approach to the Bible. I think that we go to the Bible and we think, okay, what, you know, here, here's what it means. Here's what it says. Here's how it applies to my life. Here's the truth I need to discover today. Because and this is what i was told from the time i was little that god has something to teach you every day right that's what i was told and i'm like i don't know when i, I don't know at what point in my journey i realized it's not true god does not have something to teach you every day he he does now don't hear what i'm not saying <laughs> he does have something for you every day but i think that if he's truly our heavenly father I mean I'm a father myself and there are days when I teach my kids something there are days when I discipline them or correct them or challenge them or inspire them or comfort them and there are also days we go to the park right there are, and those days when we spend time together but I don't teach them something that is those days are not less valuable in fact I would say they're foundational To us receiving, to to my kids receiving the instruction, receiving the discipline, receiving the comfort and all that. And I think that sometimes when we go into our Bible reading and our primary focus is what is, I, I need to discover the truth in this passage so I can apply it. Then if you sometime don't figure out the truth that particular day, then you feel like you've had a bad quiet time. I mean i mean could you imagine that you know you and i have been having coffee every week for 10 12 15 weeks and then i say yeah i had a bad cup of coffee with betty she didn't teach me anything i mean it's like I mean, you you'd be offended right and uh, and so i think that i think that some of that relational approach when we have that relational approach we the interesting a couple of things happen one we offer ourselves more grace on the days when we don't learn something. Uh, and I and I think that when we position ourselves relationally, we actually glean more information. I mean, think of think of the people in your life that have taught you the most, have challenged you the most, can comfort you the best, right? Can see when your attitude is just off and call you on the carpet before you really derail, right? Those are probably also the people that you share a pizza with or watch one of those twisty turning movies with or go to a ball game with or whatever it is. And the people that we are in deepest relationship with are the people we learn the most from. And, and so I, I have found that kind of the, the not so intuitive um, realization is that the more relational my approach to scripture, the more information I actually glean out of it and when i my brain when my mindset is informational i actually retain very little
1: that's great um and and, and just so you know I know I can speak for Christine as well. We would go and have coffee with you anytime uh, and continue the conversation. Um, as we're sitting here, I could think of so many other things going through my head that I'd like, oh, I'd like to know what he thinks about this okay. and something else I just, but we don't have, we don't really have the time for that now. Maybe we need to set
2: up a podcast series. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll talk to
1: you after we finish recording and and kind of uh, run something past you that okay. uh, where my heart and my mind have been lately. Um, but you're you're really talking our language when you talk about relationship Mm -hmm. and really discovering relationship with Christ um, and with God and how all of that flows. So, we love it when you talk about relationship because for us, the foundation of Heartbeat is based on something called really the love approach. And L is that listening and learning and becoming a student of the person you're with. Um, to really ask those curious questions and really get to know them. And O is where we have that opportunity to um, really delve into options, really Mm -hmm. looking at their lives and their options. V is where we awaken or reawaken in them the vision that God has for their lives. And E is where we have the ability to empower them uh, and encourage them to take the next step to move toward the vision that God has for them because he loves them and we're able to demonstrate that through relationships. So you really are talking our language mm-hmm. as you've been uh, sharing with me. Um, as we come to a close and I think about relationship, I, I wanted to ask this question. I-, I sometimes like to ask this of of, um, of people that I have the chance to talk with on our podcast because I always find something of, of uh, real value and tells me more about that person. So if I were to ask the question, not if I were, I'm going to ask the question okay. um, to tell us about a person, I suppose you can, you can label it as an experience, but a, a person that really changed you in some way and changed the way you really do ministry in life. You've already mentioned one right. um, and mm-hmm. how you fell in love, but I wonder if you could close us with really perhaps another person um, in your life that has really just changed you. Changed how you see life, how you do ministry.
2: Yeah, and I'm guessing that it's, this is going to be somebody that I, I would bet dollars to donuts that no one in this that listens to this podcast has ever heard of before. It's a guy. Named, I, this is an easy one for me. Changed my life when I was 13. His name is Joe Kempston, and he was my brother's Young Life leader. Uh, he was the area director for Young Life in Spokane. Washington, which is where I went to junior high and high school. And back in a time when Young Life did not have what's now known as Wildlife, which is their middle school and junior high ministry. It didn't exist at the time, back in the early 80s. and But we had a big rec room in our house. And so Young Life used our rec room as for Monday night clubs. And my brother would go to that. And, and so Joe and the rest of the crew would come over and they put on Young Life Club. And and, and I would sit on the stairs and just look down at all these really cool high school kids kind of wishing I could do something. And 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 Joe made it. I think Joe started wildlife with me because he just, you know, we didn't have club and we didn't do something at our junior high or whatever. But but about once a semester, sometimes twice, we w- he would just take me to breakfast at the apple barrel and we would just have breakfast and talk about life. And, and he just invested in me and, and as far as how it transformed me, I mean, one was just somebody, you know, somebody not in my family, somebody older than me who didn't have to love me, loving me, you know, and I think that that is so powerful, probably is a big reason why I went into youth ministry and why. When I was a youth pastor, and one thing we didn't even mention, I was I was an elementary school counselor for a couple of years. My degree is actually in psychology. My master's is just in counseling. I was a school counselor, and I uh, during part of these whole seasons, and and it was something where I was just talking to my wife, who's a kindergarten teacher, and saying I've, uh, that some of that is the reason why my approach to doing school counseling was every single day at lunch I postponed my own lunch so I could go play Foursquare. I, I mean, I, I got super good at Foursquare. <laughs> Just I not until...
1: hope that's on your resume too. <laughs>
2: totally. Oh my goodness. I could crush people at Foursquare. And, uh, but it was something that what I realized is that that relational time, what, what Joe invested in me and what then I tried to take into my youth ministry days and then my school counseling days is that the more relational, the more I'm hanging out and playing Foursquare with a kid, the more likely that kid is going to trust me when I'm picturing a kid right now who sat in my office and said, my dad drinks when he drives us around and I'm afraid he's going to kill us. I guarantee you that little girl, that little elementary school girl would not have ever come to my office if I hadn't played foursquare with her 20 times, you know, and I think that that, so I look at Joe buying me breakfast once or twice a semester, leading to my whole relational approach to ministry, and even going to the Heartbeat Conference here in a couple months, man, I'm, I, I'm absolutely looking forward to teaching the workshop and having a couple cups of coffee with people I haven't met yet, because that to me is the, the time. And if, if, if you're listening to this and you see me at the conference, let's sit down for 15 minutes and just chat.
1: You know. <laughs> and he'll take he'll take coffee. How do you take your coffee? I, we should probably let our listeners know that now. So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I I, I, I drink only process. black coffee up until noon, and then I sometimes some sometimes if I'm having coffee in the afternoon, I'll do a vanilla latte or and you know. So I'm gonna a be or something crazy like that, but okay. most of the time in the mornings it's just black coffee.
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna be very curious to see what happens at conference and how many cups of coffee come your way. But right,
2: exactly. I'm gonna have to start, you know, committing the cardinal sin of a Seattleite and have decaf <laughs> when I'm on my seventy fifth cup of coffee at the conference. <laughs>
1: there you go. Hey, Keith, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing with us and speaking our language, because listening to you uh, just, again, totally reaffirms that you you get us, you get this community, and we're grateful for that. So um, we look forward to hanging out with you at the Heartbeat Conference. And Christine, with that, I'll turn it over to you.
0: Thank you. Thanks to our listeners for joining us for today's episode. If you would like to check out Keith's workshop at our conference, uh, again, it's called Keeping Yourself and Your Staff Spiritually Healthy. It's going to be really good. I think we got a a fun teaser of that today. And uh, who knows, he might share how to tear apart a goat or a lion, or we just don't know what happens at conference sometimes. We'll have to play play that by ear, Christine. (laughs) I think it'll be a good time. I know it sparked my interest and uh, I just appreciate you sharing your, uh, your story with us and inspiring us to dive into the word a little bit more. Um, so again, if you're interested in registering for conference, you can visit heartbeatservices.org. All the information is up on there, right on the homepage, easy for you to find. Thanks for listening to this episode and we just hope you all have a great rest of your day.